Today we're going to pick back up in our sermon series, Financial Aid, Finding God's Plan for Your Finances. This is the, the third week. We've already traveled through two weeks. We've got one more week following this week. And my prayer is that this would make a great impact. Whatever stage that you find yourself in life, uh, my prayer is that these messages, these truths from God's word, that they would be a blessing to you, that they would be a benefit to you, and that the impact would be great. This is an area that, that many of us are struggling in. This is an area that I believe is reflective of our faith. And my prayer is that this impact uh, would be a tremendous impact in our lives. That is my hope. That is my prayer. And I believe it holds that kind of potential. I'll just tell you, I believe for all people that is true. Uh, but I want to tell you, especially for our young people, uh, some of our high school students here today, the, the young adults here today, uh, those that are newly married here today, those that are, are beginning in their families today, I can tell you, I wish that someone, and I'll just tell you, I wish that anyone would have told me these truths. I never heard these in a message. I never heard them in sermons. And I, and I go back and think, man, I wish I'd have known this at, at 14 and at 19 and at, at 28 years old. And so for all people, I, I pray that this has a great impact, but especially for those who are younger and who are launching off uh, in these years. Praying for a great impact. Our message today is entitled, So Do This, Signed God. We wonder, well, what do I do in this area? So do this, signed God. Now, we're going to look at a whole bunch of verses today, a lot of verses, and so I'm just going to ask that you would stand with me for a word of prayer as we begin our message today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I am thankful that we have a hope well-founded in Jesus Christ. We have a hope that endures a hope that lasts, and I pray as we, as we gather on this day, the, the start of summer, that as we are busy, as we're pulling in all these directions, as the world is, is dragging us in all these other directions, that today we would hear from you. Today that we would glorify you. That today we would be in, in fellowship and communion with you. That, that today as your people, that you would be glorified in our assembling today. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you, would, that you would show us your truth, your, your direction, your instruction. I pray that we would be shaped as we hear the truth of God's word. And then I pray as we leave here that it would not be the same that, as, as we came in. I pray that the impact would, would be that profound that we would be changed. And then I pray more than anything that all of this would point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray just as we were saying, all of our hope is in Christ. Our, our sins are forgiven in you. I pray for some that may be here that haven't settled this fact, that have not put their faith, Lord, in you. And I pray that in this day, in this very hour, that this might be the hour of their salvation. We ask that you would work to that extent. We, we tell you, Lord, we do love you. We worship you and we praise you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let's begin today with a piece of review. If you'll remember a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, we started with the truth that God does care 
about this issue. Sometimes we think, well, he just cares about religious issues. He just cares about your salvation, your faith. Well, we start with the truth that God does care about this issue and that God and and really his grace and his kindness to us has spoken on this issue and that's what it is. It's not a burden that he's giving us. It's not a restriction that he is giving us but it is in tremendous grace and kindness that he instructs us in this issue. He is not silent about it. He has spoken. Therefore, get this, God is our source of truth. We turn to the word of God. God is our our source of truth. Now, I can tell you as as fast as I'm saying that, the world laughs at that. The, The world thinks honestly that that is a ignorant thing, that we would turn to God for financial truth. But be sure and understand this, in all things, and especially in this thing, we turn to the word of God. Now, if you learn nothing else in this sermon series, if you learn nothing else, get that. As believers, our source of truth is the Bible. As believers, our source of truth is the word of God. Whatever the area is in in your marriage and how you raise your kids and, and how you conduct yourself in life, as believers, our source of truth is the word of God. If you get nothing else, get that. As believers, Our source of truth is the word of God. Next we saw that the secret to all of this, the secret to having peace in our finances, the secret to having success in our finances is contentment. And that's what we talked about last week. If we're ever going to have success in the area of our finances, if we're ever going to find peace in the area of our finances, it's going to be because we operate in contentment. And then we saw last week that the secret to contentment is only found in Jesus Christ. The secret to being truly content in all things is only found in Jesus Christ. Now the world today looks to stuff as a source of contentment. If we could get enough stuff, we're going to find happiness and we're going to find contentment. The world today looks to relationships and if if I could have that person and if that relationship would develop, then we're going to find joy and we're going to find contentment. The world looks to money today. The world looks to wealth today. The world looks to your reputation. Oh, if I had this esteem, if I had this reputation, I would find contentment. And so the world is scurrying about, the world is striving, running on a treadmill, doing all of these things, trying to find contentment that only Jesus Christ can provide. Have you noticed that about our world? Our world is tired. Our world's in a high gear. Our world is is moving very quickly and it's looking for contentment that is only found in Jesus Christ. That is why our finances are a sign of our hearts. Did you know that? Our our finances, how we hold them, how we operate in them, are really a a reflection of our hearts. They are a revelation of our faith. They are a reflection of the faith that we hold. They show where we're trying to find peace. They reveal where we've placed our hope. And the truth is, our hope is only found in Jesus. Now, if you learn nothing else in this sermon series, if you learn nothing else, I've already said that, learn this. 
you will only find hope, you will only find peace, you will only find contentment in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, generation after generation after generation, they have tried, they have sought, you will only find peace, hope, and contentment in the person of Jesus Christ. Saddest thing is when we as believers start to take on the characteristics of the world. We, we start to think like the world and say, you know what, I've got my heaven set up with Jesus, but I'm gonna find my contentment over here in wealth. Saddest thing is when we start to, to mirror the thoughts of the world. Our hope alone is in Jesus Christ. Contentment will only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, with those two things settled, our source of truth is the word of God. Our contentment is found alone in Jesus Christ. With those two things settled, we now move really to the practical part of our series. And it's gonna be very practical this week, very practical next week as well. The, the question now becomes, so what do we do? So, so what do I do? If God has spoken on these issues, what has he said and, and what do we do about it? Very simply, how do we live this out? Isn't that what we want to do? How do we live this out? Today we're going to put in three pieces of God's plan. Now I'm going to ask that you stay with me, that you follow with me. You may want to write this down. But we're going to put in three pieces of God's plan. When it comes to finding peace in the area, success in the area of our finances, here is God's plan, three pieces of it applied. Very simply, this is what God instructs us to do. Concerning our financial lives, these are the things that God instructs us to do. Here's what we can do. The first thing that we do, the first thing we are to plan we are to plan. What that, what that means is we are to think, we are to consider, and we are to have a plan. Now, many times today we move and then we think. And a lot of times that's my problem. We jump in and do something. We, we shove off and do something. We move. And then as we're moving, we go, hey, this wasn't too good of an idea. A lot of times we launch off and then we think about it later. Well, it is God honoring to have a plan. It is God's plan for us to think and to have a plan. Now, I want you to see these three things about our plan. We're to have a plan. That's the first thing. The first thing about our plan is this. It is to be a God-honoring plan. Now, the scope of this is very big. We are to have a plan. It is to be a God-honoring plan. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Proverbs chapter 37, verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Now, what that means is we are to consider God in the area of our finances. In fact, we are to deeply consider God in our finances. We're to, we're to go through life and we're to weigh the question, does this honor God? Is this bringing honor to God? Sometimes we make our plans 
And then we come later and ask God if he would honor them. In fact, that's a lot of times what we do. Instead, here's what we're to do. We're to honor him as we build our financial plans. The Bible says, in fact, we're going to look at this verse tonight. The Bible says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You know what the beginning of wisdom is? It's to consider God. The beginning of wisdom, of having any intelligence of all, any wisdom at all, it is to think and to consider God. Listen to me very carefully. As believers, we have to give this area over to God. As believers, we have to submit this area to God. As believers, we have to seek to glorify God in our finances. Now, I want you to to hear me. That, That is a big deal. That that is our starting place. You know what? I want to know what God has said and I want to do what God's going to bless and I want to be in his will when it comes to my finances. I want to find peace in this area. The starting place is we have to consider God in this area. We have to weigh out all of these things according to the glory and the honor of God. It has to be a God-honoring plan. Second thing, we're to plan. The second thing is this. It should be a wise plan, a wise plan. Plan doesn't mean much if it's a dumb plan. It's not enough to have a plan. It needs to be a wise plan. Well, that means our plan is built on godly wisdom. Hear that again. Our plan is going to be built on godly wisdom. Human logic's not going to cut it. Human understanding's not going to cut it. My plan, as much as I like to think of it, is not going to make it. We need a plan that is built on godly wisdom. That's a hard step to take. We're trying, you know, you need to trust the experts. You need to trust what the financial people say. You need to trust what the economic people say. You need to tell us what the advisors, we need to understand what they say. We need to put that into practice. No, we need a plan built on godly wisdom. Now, how do we build a plan based on godly wisdom? This is going to sound very predictable, kind of cliche, but let me just tell you, remember our source of the truth It's the Bible. We use God's wisdom that is revealed in his word to build our wise plan. What that means very simply is we go to the Bible. You know what, it's not enough to have a plan. We need a plan that honors God. You know what, it's not enough to have a plan that honors God. We need a plan that honors God by using godly wisdom. We go to the word of God. How does he say to to handle our debt? We go to the word of God. What do we do about saving? We go to the word of God. How are we gonna prioritize the things in our life? We go to the word of God. You need a wise plan with godly wisdom. You go to the word of God. Now, the second part of that, we need a wise plan, is this. If we need wisdom, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, ask God for wisdom. God says that. If you need wisdom, ask. You do not have wisdom because you do not ask. Now, what that tells me is this. We build our plan in prayer. We build our financial plan in prayer. Now, let me ask you a question. How much time do we spend praying 
about our finances. God, is this the job I should take? God, is this the promotion I should apply for? God, is this the car we ought to drive? Should we get a used one? Should we get a new one? God, is this the the house we should invest in? Is this the house we should live in? God, is this the, the retirement plan that you would have me to have? God, is this the bank that I should deal with? God, would you lead me in this area? God, would you give me wisdom in this area? God, would you open the doors that need to be opened? And would you shut the doors that need to be shut? God, would you let me see through your eyes when it comes to my finances? What this tells me is we we make our plan in prayer. Now, here's where we've got this kind of backwards. Our prayer ought to be on the front side. But instead, we crash and burn and pray on the backside. Now, listen, that's okay. But you know what? How how much better would it be to say, God, help me make a plan. God, lead me in wisdom than it would be to come to the end and say, God, I've got bills I can't pay. I've got wolves that are at the door. I don't know what I'm going to do. Help get me out of this. We build our plan led by the word of God. We build our plan. We bathe it in prayer, and we do it on the front side. We build our plan in the word of God and in prayer. So we're to build a plan. It is to be a God-honoring plan. It is to be a wise plan. Now listen to this. The last thing it should be, it should be a careful plan. A careful plan. Let me explain this to you. God is very specific. You ever notice that? God, God doesn't shoot in generalities. We do sometimes. God is very detailed. And sometimes we've gotten in the practice of saying, God, help me in all of my finances. Let them be a success. And then we shove off and and, and move off in a direction. Listen, our plan is to be a very careful plan. Now, we want the plan to honor God. Yes, that's the starting place. We want that plan to honor God. We want that plan to be built in godly wisdom. And so we're turning to the word of God. We're spending time in prayer, but it also is gonna have to be a careful plan. Let me read some verses to you. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. How many ewes do I have? How many lambs do I have? How many ewes didn't get bred back for next year? Are are some of these folks running out of grass, these sheep? Know the condition of your flocks. Pay attention to your herd. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent, in this case, that word means careful. The plans of the careful lead to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. I don't know if you're hearing that. That's the opposite of flying by the seat of your pants. That's the opposite of saying, you know what? Someone told me this. This is the hot tip. I'm going in this direction. We are very careful when we make our plan. In the New Testament, Luke 14, it says that a wise man would build their tower counting the cost. They would make sure they have the supplies. They would make sure they could get the supplies. They would make sure they had the money to pay for it. A wise man wouldn't say, you know what? I've got a dream of having a great tower and oh, it's gonna be to the honor and the glory of God, but halfway through, run out of resources. A wise man would count the cost. 
Luke chapter 14 says a wise man would go into battle measuring his resources. How big is their army? How big is our army? What supplies do we have? And they would measure their resources. They would be strategic going into the battle. See this this morning. We are to have a plan. It is to be a God-honoring plan. Does this honor God? It is to be a plan built on godly wisdom. We use the word of God and we spend time in prayer. And both of those things are evident in a careful plan. Now let me tell you what that practically means. We should make goals. You know what? I would like to be here in five years. I would like to be here in 10 years. We would like to have this house paid for in this many years. We make goals. You know what? We make budgets. This much is going to come in and this much is going to go out. And we have a a long-term budget. This is what we think this year is going to look like. We have a a short-term budget. We we think this is what we're going to be able to do this month. We account for everything. We know when we've overspent. We know when we've underspent. We plan for the unexpected things. We have a careful plan. Let me tell you that one of, the, one of the great things that Carrie and I ever did was about 14 years ago, 15 years ago, we went to a Dave Ramsey class. Went to a Dave Ramsey class. We, we went through it with a bunch of folks. Uh, after that, I ended up teaching that class two times in the coming year. And, and we learned a bunch of stuff in that class. And, and coming out of that class... We decided we were going to use only cash. True story. No checking accounts, no credit cards. We're going to use only cash. Uh, I would get my paycheck. Any money that I had, she would get her paycheck, and we cashed them. We took that cash, and we divided it up. So you know what? This much is going to go for the house, and this much has to go for the car, and we've got this much for cable and electric and water, and we've got this much set aside for groceries. Anything left? We, we, we set aside in savings. Anything left, we set aside that we might have a few things that were fun. One of the greatest things we ever did was that. One of the smartest things we ever did that was that. One of the most life-changing things we ever did was that. For the first time, we were very, very careful with our money. I remember this, this, this happened. About three months into that, we were in Wichita Falls, and we decided to go to the Red Lobster. We go to the Red Lobster and we, we ordered everything we always ordered. I got the Admiral's platter and I don't know what she got and we got that, all those hot rolls and, and a blooming onion, all this stuff and we ate all this stuff and in the past we would just write a check and tear it out and we'd walk out, no big deal. Or we'd hand them a card and they'd take the card and we'd walk out, no big deal. I reached in my pocket and I pulled out $42, $42 for two people to eat. And I thought, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. I don't even know what scallops are on this admiral's platter. (laughs) You know what? We're done paying $42. It hurt to pull it out of that cash. You know what? We started having to be very considerate of our money. We we took us about three years, and we saved up $10,000 in a zipper bag. A couple years Stacked this money up, and we decided we were going to buy a car. We'd go out here to the 
dealership. It's changed hands since then. We go out to this dealership, and they had a white Suburban. And the guy said, we want $16,000, $15,900 for this Suburban. And like a big old hillbilly, I pulled out a zipper bag of $10,000. We're going to pay $10,000, no tax, no title, no license. That's included. We're gone in 10 minutes. And the guy took it. We pull out this. I don't know if he thought we were dealing drugs or what we were doing. And we left with a paid-for car. Listen, we have to plan. That's God's system. We ought to be God-honoring in our plan. God, does this honor you? God, is this what's going to bring glory to you? We need godly wisdom in the plan. God, these financial experts, they're as broke as we are. What does your word say? How do you direct me in your word? God, give us wisdom. We pray through that, and we need to be careful in the plan. Listen, God says we're to plan. His system, we are to plan. Now, the second part, now this is kind of sad. It should be obvious, but it's not anymore. Second part of God's system is this. We are to plan, number one. Here's number two. We are to work. We are to work. Listen very carefully. The way as believers, this is what God has said, the way as Christians that we are to secure an income, the way that we are to have an income is by Working. Now listen, I'm not talking about just a job. I'm not talking about a place to go to, but we are actually to work. We are actually to produce, and the Bible says we are to do so in an excellent manner. Man, this one gets me. Today we've lost that thought about working. There used to be such a thing as a Christian work ethic. I'm afraid we've lost that today. Today, we've built a society that doesn't value work. We've built a society today that, that doesn't revere work, that doesn't reward work. In fact, it's a society that does the opposite. It's a society that pays you not to work. We've got a culture today where people won't work, where people are trying to figure out ways that they can't work, and where people show up and they do as little as they can while they're there, and they're not going to work. Well, to those folks, I say this. Hi, that's not God's plan. Let me show you some verses. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Consider the ant. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, these are God's words, so don't get mad at me. Consider the ant, you sluggard. It has no chief. It has no ruler. No one told the ant to go to work. Summer, in the summer, he gathers his food. He has provision in the harvest. Oh, sluggard, how long will you slumber? How long will you sleep? Let me paraphrase that. God says, quit being lazy and go to work. That is God's plan. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 5, I'm telling you, we're not teaching these things. It says a man that won't provide for his family, that won't work and provide for his family is worse than an infidel, is worse than a lost person. Listen to me today. It is nobody's job to take care of you. It is nobody's job to take care of your family. You're to work and to provide for your family. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says, if you will not work, you should not eat. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says when we do work, it's not like we're working for the boss. We're not working for a master. We're not working for whoever is watching over us. We work, it says, as to the Lord. 
Listen very carefully today. A whole lot of things would get better in our homes and a whole lot of things would get better in our culture if we would teach God's plan. And a whole lot of things would get better in our world today if more than that we would obey God's plan and we would get to work. Let me, let me point out this. Do you know God built us to work? I think we've thought, well, you know, the goal is not to work. The goal is to escape work. You know what? God built us to work. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and before sin enters in, listen, it wasn't as the result of sin. It's not as punishment for sinning. Before sin ever enters in, he gives them jobs in the garden. Folks, listen to me. That is how God has built us. Our value, our self-esteem, our sense of pride, our sense of worth is in producing something, is in working. That is how God made us. Today, we got a whole epidemic of people that are bored and are discontented and have a low self-esteem and they go through life and they're whining and they're crying and they can't find a purpose to their life and they're sad in their core. Listen to me. We find value in working, producing. As a kid, is there a picture up there? As a kid, we grew up chopping cotton. Worst job on earth. A little bit better than painting. Here's what we did. Seven o'clock to noon, we chopped cotton. I started, I, I was six years old there. That's the only time you ever see me in shorts right there. Seven o'clock in the morning. We'd eaten breakfast. We were in the field we sharpened our hose. Remember you sat there for 10 minutes, everybody sharpened your hose. We started at seven, ready to go. We chopped cotton till noon. We ate lunch and we plowed cotton. We did every, other things after, after lunch. In the evening, my dad would come over to where we were at and he would say, well, let's make a few rounds this evening. I remember thinking, we've been making rounds all day. You make rounds this evening. Why don't we make a few rounds? I'll get four rows, you get two. Why don't we make a few rounds this evening? From the time I was six to the time I left and went to college, all the way up to the day I left and went to college, this is what we did. My brother, my sister, and I chopped cotton. My sister's a lot smarter than us. She's a doctor for NASA. You know what she did? She chopped cotton. When she was a sophomore, she, she mounted a coup, and she cried, and she got my mom to lobby for her, and she was allowed to get a job at Chicken Express. I cried, I, did, I had to go back to chopping cotton. It didn't work for me. <laughs> Let me tell you this. First thing is this. I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. I'd make another round with my brother, my sister, my dad. But let me tell you the second thing is this. We learned to work. And 30, 35, 40 years later, let me tell you, you may say a lot of things about my brother and my sister and myself, but I can tell you this, you won't ever say we're lazy. You won't be able to say we're lazy. We learned to work. Listen, we are to plan. We are to work. 
That is a sense of value, a sense of pride that God built into us before sin ever entered in. We are to work. Brings us to the third thing. We are to plan, we are to work, and then here's the third thing. Here's the third piece. We are to save. We are to save. Part of God's instruction, part of God's direction is that we would save as we earn. That's part of his system. That's part of his plan. Now listen, we're not teaching that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. I I found some studies. Listen to this, and I believe it. I've been there. One study says 62%, listen, 62% of adult Americans do not have $1,000 in their savings. Another, another statistic, another a survey by a different company said this, 63% of adult Americans do not have $500 in their savings. The Federal Reserve Bank did some research in 2017. Here's what they said. Most of Americans today are one paycheck away from being destitute. Now, what that means is if your job was to cut off, if your income was to cut off, in 30 days you couldn't make the obligations you have, you couldn't buy the food that you need, and you'd be broke in one month. The Federal Reserve Bank says most Americans are one paycheck away from disaster. No wonder we're stressed out. No wonder we're worried. No wonder we're running so hard as a culture. And listen, I don't care what your income level is. That's talking about all people. No wonder we can't breathe in the world that we're living in today. Let me show you some verses on this. Again, in Proverbs chapter 6, the ant stores up in the summer, saves so there will be abundance in the winter, in the harvest. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man is a person who has saved. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says this, there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Now what that means is this wise person has put back money. They've put back supplies, provisions. They've put back oil. But a foolish man spends it up. It means they spend it as fast as they get it. A foolish man has no reserve. Listen, God's plan, God's instruction to us is that we would be savers. I can already hear, well, I can't afford to save. Oh, oh, I'd like to save. Oh, I wish I could save, but I can't do what I'm doing right now. There's no way that I could ever save. Friends, first off, let me tell you, I've been there. But the answer then is to go back to the plan, go back to the budget, go back to godly wisdom, go back to seeking to honoring God with every penny. God's plan is that as we earn we would save. 14 years ago, again, we started saving. I remember the one evening we came in and we talked about tithing and we're going to tithe and we said, you know what? We're going to start saving. And we're going to take this little dab of money and we're going to set it aside and we're going to put it somewhere we can't get it and we're going to save that money. Let me just tell you, it was, it was $40, little tiny amount, sad little amount. And we're going to save that money. Well, after some time, it got up to a bigger amount, and I went to Walmart, 
I bought a fireproof box, little box, and I put it in our house, and we started putting that money in that box. Now, if you're sitting here thinking, well, he has a box of money in his house. <laughs> Later, I bought an AR-15, and it's right beside that box. <laughs> that box grew, and that box added up. And we kept working, and we kept tithing, and we kept saving. And we kept working, and we kept tithing, and we kept saving. And we didn't have much sense, but all we had left was God's wisdom, and we kept saving. And you know what? That little pile got to be a little bigger, and it got to be a little bigger. And then you know what? We've got some room, and you know what? We can start to breathe again. And you know what? In a couple years, we pay cash for that car. God's plan is that his people would save. Here's the good news about this stuff. God's plan is built on God's wisdom. God's plan actually works. God blesses his plan. God's plan, as you're sitting here here today, you know what? I need to honor God in all my finances. I need to start spending a little more time, a lot more time in prayer. You know what? I need to make a detailed plan. You know what? Maybe it's time I need to go to work and maybe get a second job. I need to do things to bring in income. You know what? I need to save during that process. I need to set money aside. Here's the good news. God's plan stands and his word holds true. Now, I'm getting ready to end, and I'm going to make a very bold statement. And I'll just tell you, it is bold. It is it's so bold, I've been thinking two weeks whether I should say it or not. It is a bold statement. The last few weeks, as I have been studying, three or four weeks, I have seen this, and I believe it. And so I listen very carefully. Hear me very carefully. Don't, miss, don't mishear this. The Bible says in the New Testament, as believers, we will have troubles, we will have hardships, we will have trials, we will have tribulations, we will have heartaches. The Bible tells us that life is hard. The Bible in the New Testament says this world is not our home. We're not citizens here. The Bible tells us that the world hates us, is opposed to us. The Bible says, and it is very clear, that we will suffer. But friend, listen to me very carefully. It is suffering for the sake of the gospel. It is suffering for the sake of the truth. It is suffering because of the name and the cause of Jesus Christ. It was never financial. Now hear me, I'm not promising you something God didn't promise you. I'm not that kind of preacher. But see this, it seems the truth is if we obey in this area, we will have peace in this area. And so the flip of that is this, and so if we are suffering in this area, it's because we have been disobedient at some point in this area. Do you start to see why this is important? We come along and we got a giant mess and we say, man, I'm in a bind today. I can't pay my bills today and I'm suffering for the Lord. Listen, for me, I suffer because I neglected the truth 
of our Lord. Do you see how important this is? Do you see the needless pain that we're bearing? Do you see the anxiety and the stress that we're carrying that we were never supposed to carry? Yes, you're supposed to be hated for the gospel. Yes, there's tough troubles and trials and hardships. But listen, it wasn't supposed to be in the area of our finances. When you obey God's plan in this area, you'll find peace in this area. Now, I'll just tell you, once again, it keeps happening. Once again, I'm blown away. Once again, I'm blown away that even in this, we see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in this, we see that God has a plan. You know what? God's always had a plan. He had a plan for my redemption before the foundation of the earth is what the Bible says. God has a plan. We see the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that his plan is kind. We see that his plan is steeped in his grace. His plan is not to grind us up. His plan is not to make us feel bad about ourselves. His plan is steeped in graciousness and kindness. We also see here that God has grace if we've gotten off track from this plan, if we've messed up his plan, if we've sinned and neglected his plan, God in his grace will forgive us, he'll restore us, he'll renew us, and the best is yet to come. Do you see that? That's the gospel all over. That's the gospel again. You know what, in your finances, if you'll say, you know what, I've messed up and I've gotten off a track and God, I'm sorry for that. God, you forgive me for that. But you know what, moving forward, I'm gonna honor you in this area. God, I want your wisdom in this area. Show me what you've said in this area. I'm getting ready to go to work. I'm gonna save from that income. You know what, God will renew, he'll restore his grace and his kindness will be evident in his plan. And wherever you're at today, the best is still yet to come. That's our gospel. You see, if you're sitting here today and you're stuck in your sin and you've sinned against the holy God and your life's a mess and you've tried to find contentment in every area and you've turned to here and you've turned to there and you're sitting there in the broken ruins of your life, condemned, guilty in your sin, listen, the best is still yet to come by faith in Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven of that sin. You're renewed, restored, redeemed and the best is still ahead in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our good news. His plan still stands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful for your plan of my salvation. That you knew I would need a Savior. And you sent that Savior, Jesus Christ. You knew I would sin, I'd be condemned in my sin. I would rebel against you. I would walk away from you. That I would have no hope. I would be under the sentence of death. Yet you send Jesus, your only begotten son, the perfect sinless lamb of God, and he takes my sin, he takes my shame. He bears it on the cross of Calvary and he carries it far away. Lord, in your grace, you offer me forgiveness, redemption, renewal in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for that. I praise you for that. But I'm also thankful that you speak in all these areas. You speak in the area of our finances. And I pray that in the same way that we would submit to you in this area, that we'd be led by you in this area. We'd seek your forgiveness where we've messed up in this area and that you'd be greatly glorified in the area of our finances. Help us here, Lord. Teach us here, Lord. For these young folks starting off, Lord, impact them in this truth today as they move forward. And then, Lord, we just come right now. We just thank you for your grace. 
shown to us. Your kindness shown to us. Your love shown to us. We're thankful for the great gospel of our salvation. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.